Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It is said that there are nine arts. And what if video games is the tenth? I'm Charles Adam Foster Simard from Ubisoft. You're listening to The Tenth Art, a podcast series about the place of video games in entertainment, culture, and society. COP27, the annual United Nations climate conference, is coming to an end in Sharm el-Sheikh, Egypt this week. And hundreds of leaders, policymakers, and activists came together to discuss and take action with the goal of achieving the world's collective climate goals. On this occasion, we wanted to examine the role video games could play to combat climate change and protect our environment. Whether through games that convey messages about environmental sustainability or partnerships developers can create to enact real-world change, the question is simple, but the answer requires a lot of creativity and willpower. Can video games save our planet? Our guests this week are Nicolas Hunzinger, Director of Corporate Environmental Sustainability at Ubisoft, and Paula Esquadra, co-founder of the International Game Developers Association Climate Special Interest Group, the IGDA Climate SIG for short. So hello, Nicolas, and hello, Paula. Thank you for joining us today on the podcast. Hello. Excited to be here. It's really a pleasure to have you. I'm excited to have you both here. I think we should begin with brief introductions. If you can introduce yourselves in a few words. Nicolas, you work at Ubisoft. What do you do? So I serve as a Ubisoft Director of Environmental Sustainability since uh, 2020. I joined Ubisoft in 2014. And uh, with the help of my team now uh, and dedicated stakeholders, uh, and passionate developers across Ubisoft, uh, I lead Ubisoft effort to decrease our carbon footprint and increase our positive impact on the planet. Thank you, Nicola. And what about you, Paula? I've been in the industry for about 15 years, if you include GameStop Retail. Uh, I'm currently the senior UX strategist for the cloud gaming team for Xbox Game Studios Publishing. Uh, I also serve as the co-founder and co-chair of the International Game Developers Association Climate Special Interest Group, which is way too long, so we'll call it the IGDA Climate SIG. I'm really excited to be here and talk about the intersection of sustainability and gaming. Indeed, that's exactly what we're going to talk about. And before we dive in, I just have one question for you both, which is how did you become involved in this space where sustainability intersects with video games? So, Nicola, back to you. Were you always interested in, you know, environmental topics or how did that come about? What you may not know, Charles, is that first of all, I'm, I'm an engineer. Uh, I graduated from an engineer school in France called the Mine Paris in 2007. In fact, I did know that because I looked at your LinkedIn earlier. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I don't know if you know Mine Paris very well, but it's a school uh, whose uh, first aim was to train high-level mining engineers. And, uh, and with time, the, the school evolved and, and, and adapted to the, 
technological and structural transformation undergone by society. And that's why at some point sustainability became a, a main topic for the school. And as you can imagine, it was my, my favorite topic uh, back, back then. Uh, that being said, uh, <laughs> I have a strange uh, journey because uh, I've always been working in the entertainment industry uh, because I'm passionate about digital technology, media and, and entertainment. But at some point, I think it was about um, in 2019 when I was director of operations of the Ubisoft Singapore studio, I felt like it was a good time to, to mix my two passions, sustainability and video games. And I think at that time, um, we were among the first studio in the industry to, to assess our carbon footprint. And that's how it all started. What about you, Paula? Because I know now that you started working at GameStop uh, as a retail as a as a retail assistant. So <laughs> clearly, video games were a passion of yours since a young age, I assume. But uh, was you know the environment and sustainability also part of your interests growing up? More than I think I ever realized. Um, I think that. Uh, and it's funny because I was talking to my partner about this a couple of weeks ago, and it was really weird to have uh, one of my core memories when I was four years old, maybe still living in the Philippines, um, seeing a coloring book uh, that was saying like burning leaves in front of your house uh, is bad for the environment. It creates air pollution. And so I remember, you know, waddling up to my grandmother saying, you can't do this as she's doing this in the front yard. And at the time, you know, completely hand waved, did not take it seriously. It's just a, a children's coloring book. Um, and I kind of forgot that for a really long time. And it wasn't until the uh, BP oil spill in the Gulf of Mexico in 2010 that uh, it, it kind of like came back to the forefront as something as like I felt really compelled to do something about. Um, and at the time, I'd spent much of my very short career then, you know, focusing on like, how do we get players to spend as much money as possible and like focus on consumption loops. Um, and I, there was an opportunity somewhere to like take what was powerful about games and put it into the environmental impact space and I had no idea what to do. And so I went to graduate school, um, got my double masters in business and public administration from Presidio Graduate School. Um, and the interesting thing about that experience was that it was a three-year program that was really focused on integrating sustainability and climate resiliency in business and policy work. Um, and so that led to game design workshops, really weird jobs and nonprofit educational gaming, and then eventually how I met Nicholas through the Playing for the Planet Alliance uh, and through the Climate SIG. Okay, so today we're going to talk about how, you know, what video games can do to, to, to fight climate change and, and to promote uh, environmental sustainability. But I want to set some foundations first. So where are we in terms of the involvement for climate action in the video games industry? Is there like a major topic that's animating the industry? Is there a big challenge that we're facing? Where do we stand? I think first we need to, to acknowledge the situation as it is. You know, uh, scientific consensus as reported by the IPCC, the leading organization studying uh, climate change. And because we are part of this world and... Uh, As citizens or corporate citizens, we need to take this into account because it affects all of us in the end. And the situation as of today is that we are already at 1.1 um, degrees Celsius global warming and we are heading towards plus three, maybe even more by the end of the century. And this has dramatic consequences that uh, is affecting us as, as workers, 
as business leaders. And the consensus is, as of today, winning slowly on climate change is simply another way of, of losing. So we need to, to act. It's a, an all-hands-on-deck uh, moment. We have a responsibility, like any other, again, citizen or, or company. And that's what we are trying to, to understand with Pola and other stakeholders in the industry is what do we have to do to make sure that we preserve a livable world uh, for the, the, the next decades and, and by the end of the century. And of course, Nicola, I've worked with you in the past, so I know that Ubisoft, you know, has a strategy and a plan in this area. But do you feel that across the industry, the responsibility that you're talking about is really um, being taken seriously and, and, and is being felt and, and people are mobilizing? Diving right into the spicy questions, I see. <laughs> no, I think when you when talking about responsibility, I think today what the science says is that the global tech and digital industry including gaming, accounts for 4% of the global emissions. And as you know, this industry and the gaming industry is booming, is growing. So our responsibility is going to increase in the future. So the sooner we, we tackle the issues, the better it is for sustainable growth, for sustainable success in the future. And it's not only about, you know, um, making sure that we mitigate the consequences of climate change on the planet. It's also a question of, of sustainability for the company itself. It's a strategic topic as of today because uh, the global transition to a low carbon economy, as you can see in all other sectors, business sectors, it will affect the gaming industry as well. Mm -hmm. The shift is happening, so we have to jump on. Yeah, strong agreement with everything Nicholas is saying. I think that from an existential standpoint, we're all um, very, very painfully aware of the things that make us uncomfortable because of the pandemic, because of civil rights movements, because of the climate crisis. And it's all compounded um, given everything we've had to deal with the past few years. And uh, there are, for the IGDA climate SIG, uh, there are over 700 members now all over the world and it's terrifying because that's a lot of people and amazing um at the same time uh, so many of them are coming in because they either have these huge climate commitments that have been wonderfully established by their executive leadership um but there's not a lot of expertise in house yet to like make it easy for them to then contribute to it or they're on the other side of it where they're like a new parent and they're realizing that like their kids are going to have to live through major, you know, extreme weather events, energy crises, uh, food shortages, um, and they don't yet know how to advocate for it so that their leadership does pay attention and can contribute to this global movement. That's also paired by the increasing business cases uh, for um, for climate action at an industry level for indie studios in particular. Um, more and more um, funders are looking for climate assessment risks um, because they don't they don't want to fund if there isn't a plan, um, especially if a new industry in a growth market is in a place that is likely to become more environmental and economically unstable over time, which limits you know our diversity and inclusion initiatives that are so important for our ability to tell new stories, 
that impacts market expansions. And the one last piece I want to add to that is player trust. The, the UN Nations Development Program, uh, in partnership with PlayMob and I think the University of Oxford, who are affiliated with the broader United Nations Playing for the Planet Alliance that I'm sure Nicholas and I will talk about, um, they'd done a report surveying 1.2 million people over the planet using mobile games and found 64% believe climate change is an emergency. And so that all impacts us. Yeah, because beyond just the responsibility of the industry that Nicola was talking about, then there's also the players and the communities are actually in a way requesting this. They, they, they're aware of this, they're mobilized, and they are ready to take action as well. Exactly. And that's why also if you care for our business, we care for our players and we need to, to act for them as well. As Paula mentioned, uh, as of today, uh, one gamer out of two is, is thinking that the gaming industry must be doing more. And it's today. I can expect these figures to, to increase in the next year. And for them, the three most important actions should be first to raise awareness through in-game content on ways in which players can change their life habits and improve their environmental impact. Second thing that they expect is for us to help them reduce the carbon emissions associated uh, with the production and usage of, of games and game and, and video game devices, huh? not only the software, but also the hardware. And the third, uh, their third expectation is to make sure that we prioritize the use of recycled materials in, in the products that we commercialize. And I think it totally makes sense. And that's what we've been working now for a few years with the, with the Playing for the Planet Alliance that was mentioned by, by Paula. The Playing for the Planet Alliance is a group of uh, more than 30 organizations to date, I think, um, all members of the private video game sector uh, that have made voluntary, ambitious and specific commitments for the planet. And uh, the Alliance today includes uh, the biggest name, names of the, of the industry, Uh, Sony, Microsoft, Rovio, Supercell, Bandai Namco, Unity, Ubisoft, obviously. Um, and um, we, we have all formally committed to, to harness the, the power of our, our games to help tackle the, the, the climate crisis. Um, this wouldn't have been possible without the huge sponsorship of the UN Environment Program, uh, which started the initiative back in 2019. How can games actually, you know, fight climate change? How can a, a, a piece of entertainment, which is a video game, how can that change behaviors or educate or mobilize someone or, or really have a true impact on the environment? Games provide this amazing potential to enable players to directly interact with a problem. Um, and the thing that I'm just constantly impressed by with everybody who works in this space is that games have this amazing opportunity to redefine our relationship with failure. Like the systems that we have in place, unlike the real world, will give us immediate feedback when we're doing something right or wrong, will give us nudges and contextual cues if we get stuck. Um, and if we fail, we have the ability to keep trying until we see progression and mastery of those skills. Um, and, and the climate movement, like, like in, in a general level, like suffers from the fact that there are so many solutions, many of which feel inaccessible day to day, that if games can en enable players to have a deeper connection with that experience, like that will better prepare them to engage should an opportunity occur. For you, the interactive nature of a video game, of course, inherently is, is what it is, is like a really good medium, I guess, 
to prepare people to face the challenges of climate change. Nicolas, what would you add to that? No, I, I totally agree with, with Paula. Our, our medium is, is unique and offers a lot of exciting opportunities. More concretely, this last year, we made a lot of um, experiments with our games. We've explored how a light-hearted concept like Angry Shark, but also world-building stories, systemic gameplay could raise awareness. We have so many different ingredients featured in our games that we can um, leverage. Uh, for for that, it's it's really fascinating for the developers. Uh, and obviously, we always make that while keeping the game fun and entertaining. It's all about entertainment and the intersection between these messages for the planet and entertainment. It's a, it's a powerful driver for, for, uh, to raise awareness. Uh, it's, it's no coincidence that um, uh, emotion has the same etymological root as uh, move or mobilize. It's through emotion that you move forward And that's what we try to, to create uh, with, uh, with our games. And we have so many different genres, so many different games uh, that there's plenty of opportunities to address the topic and each type of game can serve an, a different purpose. Oh, I love everything you're saying, Nicholas. I think it's also important that when thinking about games that have an intentional underlying message that may be related to something that's happening actively in the real world, Um, sometimes we can see uh, a severe hesitancy around that from the general public because it's uh, games are meant to be quote unquote fun. I'm I'm playing a game to escape. Like, why are you bringing me back to the real world problems that I feel like I can't solve? Like, I'm already overwhelmed um, and I just want to play a game. Um, but I think that um, the emotion piece that Nicholas speaks to is, is really important because Fun manifests in many different ways, depending on the genre of the game, the mechanics, the context in which a player is entering in a fantasy world or a realistic one. And the question isn't about like what it's not about us like taking away the escapism. It's that if there are opportunities for us to make climate actions like meaningful real world climate actions integrated into the games players already want to play. And we can implicitly through the game lore or explicitly through like the actual actions they're doing help normalize positive environmental values, behaviors and systems. It becomes less scary when when we run into it in the real world. We feel less inadequate and less ill-equipped to engage with it. Well, and what you were mentioning also, Paula, like, um, you know, you're saying some people say that they don't want to encounter those real-life challenges in a game, but games are already made up. You know, there, there's there's a strong narrative element to games, and they're already made up of a lot of elements that we find in real life. Games deal with war and loss and, uh, you know, a ton, tons of personal personal relationship issues already. So, it, you know, why not why not climate change? Right. Exactly. And we already see more and more games coming out in the market that talk about the climate crisis as if it's already like doomed and it's the apocalypse narrative that we then have to be the heroes in. Um, and that's something that, you know, thank you to the 90s and early 2000s for us setting the expectation that it has to be an apocalypse in order for us to be the hero, uh, which like normalizes certain expectations about what good looks like, right? Um, but one of the things that I'm excited about that Nicholas and his team, everybody in the Playing for the Planet Alliance, many people across Xbox are now talking about is like, 
how do we create games with hope in mind, given hope and social connection are things that we're actively seeking because of the things that we're already having to deal with? What happens if we create games that like, don't assume we've already completely ruined everything? Like, what are the other design challenges and problems that can emerge from that? Like, mm. that's what I'm really excited about. Entertainment in general and video games in particular are our projections surface for many social issues today. And as climate and environment uh, become more integrated into our lives, and we're seeing this integration increasing year after year, and it's not a good one, they will increasingly become more integrated into, into our games uh, because that's a source of inspiration also for our talents, for our developers. They care, so they need to tackle this challenge also in their work. I think they will do it in very different ways. Some of them will maybe want to be explicit uh, about the topic and some of them will prefer to be more Im implicit because obviously we don't want only games about climate change. I think it would be boring at some point. We also need to escape, as Paula said. And um, in the end, maybe some people will not even notice that we, we tackle this topic in, 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 in two hour games. It can be a strand sometimes or a subplot yes, exactly. or a, a part of a mechanic, but not necessarily the 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 the, 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 the top course, level the thing. The core thing. Yeah. And, and what is really fascinating is that we are going to raise awareness about forest and wildlife protection, about wildfires, about recycling, about renewable energies, about sustainable food choices, about overfishing, about shark in trade. And that's 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 amazing because It's not going to be the, the main purpose of the game, but we're going to talk about it. And that's also what can be expected from the entertainment industry at some point, uh, because it's, a, it's another angle. You know, not everyone can be, can be um, touched emotionally by, by the, sa the same way. And not everyone is interested in the same topic. It's not all about climate. Nicola, you mentioned earlier there already have been some green activations and campaigns and special events in some of our games at Ubisoft. Can you maybe explain or, or mention some of these so that we have some, some examples in mind of what's already being done, what, what players can get their hands on today already? I think the, the latest very interesting initiative that we shipped, there is uh, obviously Anno 1800. So uh, in, in this game, the developers um, created a special game mode called uh, Eden Burning. And, and the, the goal of this mode is that players are required to create a sustainable city. So they must avoid destructive practices like overfishing or deforestation in order to, to achieve success. And I think it's a perfect integration of our current environmental challenge mm. into, uh, into what uh, Anno uh, is, uh, is doing great. Yeah, it's an interesting example because usually Anno is a city builder. So usually in a city builder, you kind of just like strip the map of all its resources to build the biggest, shiniest, most advanced city. But in this example that you're using in this game mode, it's, it's more about finding the balance and, and not stripping all the resources, right? Yes, and with a, a little hint of, um, uh, of rogue, roguelike because you, 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 you can fail fast if you're not um, taking care. And that's very funny because it's, as, as Paula mentioned earlier, you, in games, you can fail. It's all fake. So you can learn, fail and learn, fail and learn. And obviously you can learn a lot about... And get better each time. Yeah. Uh, 
how, how to be sustainable, how to make things sustainable through this uh, failure and success loop in games. Do you have an example, Paula, of a, of a game that you thought was particularly interesting in its efforts to, you know, talk about um, sustainability or the environment or, or create real world change? I would say uh, Never Alone, I think, is still one of my favorites. Uh, it's a pretty short game. It was created by Eline Media a few years back. Uh, they just announced a uh, a sequel, I think, this past February, so I'm excited to see what that looks like. Um, but it's a platformer game, um, pretty short, but you play the role of uh, an Inupiaq uh, girl um, who is, uh, you know, try like uncovering stories uh, from her tribe um, and her indigenous history, and there are um, discoverable um, objects in the game where that then cut players to uh, short documentary clips about that uh, community and how climate change is actually impacting them and their way of life um, and in the real world, yes. It was really, really uh, important and transformative for me and what we could do to tell you know these stories. Well, sounds really cool. I'm, I didn't know about it, so I'm gonna go look it up after and, and I'm sure I'll be looking for the sequel as you are. Give it a try, Charles. I played it as well and I liked it very much. Um, Paula, you're also here, as, as you said, as part of the IGDA Climate SIG. And I know that you do a lot of work kind of giving toolkits and, and putting tools in the hands, essentially, of developers to help them uh, create games that have these messages and, and that have this purpose. Can you say a little bit, what are some of the tips and tricks that you, know, you want developers to think of or that you found are helpful to them? Oh, that's a lot. Um, I mean, I think for quick context, um, so the IGDA Climate SIG is actually uh, like a, a grassroots affiliate organization of the Playing for the Planet Alliance mm -hmm. um, to help address the problem that we touched on at the very beginning, which is, you know, these are there are these amazing climate commitments that are happening. But how do we make them approachable for someone who's just trying to pay the bills and cares just enough to try? Mm -hmm. um, and is willing to do so. And so we uh, formed a Discord group that everybody is welcome to join um, uh, to try to figure out what are the resources we need to create. And we formed work streams based off of three key opportunity areas, one of which is first and foremost, how do I even know how to like calculate my carbon footprint? Like, what is that? What is our industry carbon footprint? Like, why does that matter? Um, the second is around the game design patterns piece, which we've been talking about. Like if I want to make a climate conscious game intentionally, what mm -hmm. are the best practices and guidance for that? Um, and the third is climate council advocacy. So how do I then talk to my studios? Um, and uh, we've been collecting conversations and talking points that we've now turned into research and resources. Um, and uh, some of the very high level uh, takeaways to consider um, for climate conscious design in particular is that um, honestly like the main guidance is like you don't need to solve everything at once a game does not have to cover every single possible climate solution <laughs> under the sun it is stressful don't put that on yourself That's don't a try lot. to deal with everything don't try to deal with everything that's not fair to you and it's not fair to your players <laughs> um, but um, thinking about your, your potential, like, quote, this is very academic, but your theory of action. So are you looking to raise awareness because of your game? Are you looking to build knowledge 
that players can actively use? Mm. Um, are you um, seeking to uh, connect to a local like climate impact organization who is doing active work in the field and mapping in-game behavior or purchases or what have you to that work? Um, be concrete about what you want to do, what you need support with, and like how you want to work with other communities who mm. may have the resources and expertise to provide support in ways that like your your existing like talent pool may not. Right? Um, you don't have to rebuild everything from scratch. I know that we as a industry historically are 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 kind of like. We often get stuck in a competitive mindset. Like we have to be the first to market. We have to be the best at what we do. We don't share our secret sauce. Like all those things. Yeah. And one of the biggest challenges that we have as an industry and as a global community is that we need to move away from that mindset. Like this is a collective problem, and it's a collective opportunity, and you don't need to go it alone. Yeah. Um, and so don't be afraid to admit what you don't know and don't be afraid to connect with other like-minded game developers to do this work because there's a ton of conversations that may help you mitigate the pitfalls that you might otherwise run into. So what I really like as a high level kind of topic, in addition to this idea of like going to get the help you need and, and talking to people who maybe have the specialty or have done it before is this idea of like focus your action, right? Focus maybe on one topic and one mechanic or one way of, of enacting that change. Don't try, to, don't try to do everything. I totally agree. Uh, usually I summarize this with, with two sentences. The first one is you can't do everything alone, but you cannot do nothing. So just give it a try. Um, and the second thing is, um, we don't need uh, a few of us doing things uh, perfectly. We need all of us to do doing things imperfectly, but at least you, you do something. So this message is, is, is not to say it's not an important topic, just to say, go for it. If mm -hmm. you're a developer, if you're uh, a business leader, give it a try. It's a journey. And I can tell you it's, it's very fulfilling. I have a last question for you. Because you work in this space, you both think a lot about these these issues. And I know for me, you know, it, it can be a pretty depressing topic. There's obviously a lot of inaction, uh, a lot of nice words. But, you know, it, it feels sometimes like we're just going downhill. So what what keeps you motivated and what keeps you hopeful when you get up in the morning or, or maybe at the end of a long day? Nicola, maybe we can start with you. Where do you where do you find that hope? So first, Charles, don't worry. How can you not be eco-anxious today when you realize the magnitude of, of, of the issue? So you are not alone. Uh, and uh, you. You know, even uh, our own UN Secretary uh, General is talking about existential threats. So how can you not be anxious? I think that's very sound to react like, like this. But uh, having said that, what do we do? So for me, uh, um, the, the two things that are keeping me hopeful and, and motivated is collaboration and, and action. We mentioned it or, already, the spirit of, of collaboration and shared interest in, in the industry and especially in the Playing for the Planet Alliance uh, is really um, uh, motivating me a, a lot. And then, yeah, you need to act. You need to, to, do, to do something. And uh, some people, some media tend to focus on individual action. What can I do on my own, tackle my own carbon footprint? But from the beginning, you know, it's never going to be enough huh? and you don't need to, to feel guilty about it. 
I think the, the, the key for me uh, to, to, to go beyond this maybe guilt uh, on my own carbon footprint is, is, is going through collective action. Uh, not being alone, uh, you can join the IGD Climate SIG, uh, you can also uh, join an NGO, you can just talk about it with, with your friend, in the sport club, in your school, and obviously in your company. And that's why at Ubisoft we have what we call green committees. It's uh, voluntary employee-led uh, committees for staff who really wants to make a difference in their personal life and also in the workplace. Uh, and it's uh, a structure when they can share, uh, discuss, but also where they can be pioneers for Ubisoft, showing us uh, the next step and, and, and ambassadors as well. Because sometimes, uh, you know, uh, talking to your colleagues, talking to your, to your management, it's, uh, it's a very good way to, to, to move the, the line and, and obviously raise the bar. You've already said it very eloquently. Um, the community is honestly the, the biggest thing that has kept me sane. Uh, the IGDA Climate SIG had been formed basically right before the first lockdown. Um, and I think that uh, it was very difficult to not let the existential dread creep in. Um, and the safe space and the willingness for so many game developers to provide support for each other and, and share their expertise because everybody has different lenses to view so many different aspects of game development that we were not able to, uh, not only able to, to learn from each other and like amplify each other and problem solve when we needed to, um, but we were all able to take turns feeling the dread basically. Like we all reminded each other to take breaks. We all, you know, chipped in when we needed uh, to like be hyped up and like to build our confidence back up. And we needed basically social reminders through our peers and colleagues and mentors that it's okay for us to take a break when we need to um, so that we can come back and be creative and be innovative and do all the work that we need to do so that current and future generations can keep making and playing games. Charles, also on a, on a more positive note, um, um, I think it's um, things are moving much faster than I expected uh, one year or two years ago. Really? I think we're, we are really... Uh, um, at a time uh, of, of, of big shifts. Um, you know, I think um, talking about climate change is not taboo anymore. I think maybe in five years ago, it was a non-topic and it was maybe perceived as something political, which mm. is not the case. And so um, every time I, I stop, I look at what we've done, where we stand in the industry, in Ubisoft, even in my personal life, I'm like, wow, if, if I knew two years ago, I would be there as of today, I would, I would have signed this off right away. That's the first thing. And also maybe more personally, I think it's, it's a fascinating topic uh, and time to, to, to work on, on that because I love innovation. Uh, I'm, I'm also a future thinker. And to be at this time where we can, you know, reinvent and, and, and challenge the status quo for the very good reason, I think it's, uh, it's, it's very um, exciting. So I, I like also this position because I, I feel like everything is possible and just up to us to, to reinvent uh, how we work, our products, industry, how we live. And for every changes I've made so far, especially in my personal life, I, I have no regret at all. I eat much less meat. I drive an electric car. I almost don't take the plane at all anymore. And I'm really, really okay with that. 
you just uh, find your happiness uh, elsewhere and you also refocus on, on what really matters. I too am so happy I don't have a long commute. <laughs> I'm going to fix on this happy note and end here <laughs> so that we have happy thoughts in our minds. Uh, Paula and Nicola, thank you so much for joining us for this really interesting conversation on this, of course, extremely important topic. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Charles. Thank you, Paula. To find out more about Play Green, Ubisoft's commitment to global carbon neutrality, including initiatives to reduce the company's carbon footprint and inspire our teams, partners, and players, visit ubisoft.com environment. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Tenth Art. Make sure you don't miss any of our episodes as they come out. Subscribe or follow us wherever you get your podcasts, ubisoft.com slash the tenth art podcast. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.